when you take a look at it, most sales training's not optimized for helping salespeople be better at what they do because it's not structured enough to see where the opportunities lie. So what would happen if you broke your sales process up into quarters? How would that help you? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Silvenbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios, and we are on episode number 169. Why you should break your sales calls or sales presentation into quarters. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes when I share content with salespeople, they go, I should have thought of that a long time ago. Or they say, why would I do that? So I, I do hear both ends of the spectrum. And I want to share with you why this really does help. Because at the end of the day, when you take a look at sales, nobody really teaches a framework uh, for looking and thinking through sales calls. They're like, why didn't you close the deal? And you're like, um, blah, blah, blah. But they, they don't have a meaningful way for you to take a look and dissect what's going on. There's no way for you to say, hey, I wish I could have done this better but I really don't know where to look. I don't know where to pinpoint things. And if you give your mind way too many data points, all you have left with is confusion. And so like when you think about what you did in grammar school and high school and junior high, if you were here in the States, they may call it something different if you're in another spot of the world. They broke everything down into quarters and semesters for a reason. Because it's easier to manage time. It's easier to take a look at what's going on. And the same thing is true with your sales process. The same thing is true with just about any process that you do. Uh, when you break your process down, you can go back and you can pinpoint information. And you could take a look and say, here is where I did something good. Here's where I struggled. And here's what my opportunities are. And I want to let you know how you talk about the struggles that you face really do matter. And there there are times where people refer to what you're going through as a problem. Then there's also times where you can reframe it and say, here's what my opportunities are. And the reason I say this is when I work with, with salespeople who struggle, they get caught up in the struggle. They get caught up in their problems. And so we have to do a reframing go like they're not just problems. They're also an opportunity. There's a There's a place for you to get better at what you do. As you take a look at this process, it'll help you explain where you're doing well and where you struggle. And I will give you some hints along the way from my perspective of riding co-pilot and being in the passenger seat through tons, tons of sales calls and tons and tons of role play. And what happens is when you look at what you do is you see it as 100% of the process. And you may go to your sales manager you may go to a significant other and you may say something like, you know what? I'm really sucking at sales. And 
the reality is for most people, they're not sucking at 100% of the sales. They're sucking at 20% of the sales or 40% of the sales. And if you're struggling right now, I encourage you to listen and know that it's entirely possible for you to be better at what you do. In 2001, when I started in sales, I was the 10th worst salesperson on the planet. Didn't know how to close, didn't know how to ask for the deal, uh, was very angry at not being able to make sales happen and not being able to bring money uh, when I was looking at every other salesperson who was closing deals, not knowing you know, how vocal pitch and tone and timing mattered. You know, there, there was things that I didn't get that I should have understood that I didn't have anybody to, to pull me under their wing. So the, the company that I worked for, they, I, I would go to the owner and say like, look, I'm sucking right now. I need help. And they would just say, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. So I went and bought tons of courses and paid for tons of things because back in 2001, believe it or not, there was no YouTube, believe it or not. There were no podcasts. There were no people out there saying, here's ways for you to do it. There was books. There was books on CD. There was live training. And then there was personal coaching. And the coaching world really hadn't taken off. That wasn't something that really took off until like 2005, 2006, 2007. You know, so I was I was a couple of years ahead of that. So when I would look at my sales process, I'd be like, I suck. I suck at everything when it really wasn't that I sucked at everything. I just sucked at some things that I needed help with. And so I'm going to give you this generic roadmap. I'm going to say, let's break a generic sales process down into quarters so that from here on out, you do not say, I suck at everything. You say that, you know what? There's a couple of opportunities in my sales process and I pinpointed the quarter that they're going to be in. (laughs) I know this might sound cheesy to some people, but here's the thing at the end of the day, the better that you can describe the problem that you're facing to uh, a coach, to a mentor, the easier it is to diagnose. Like You go to the doctor and you're like, doctor, I've got a headache. And he's like, well, what kind of headache is it? Where does it hurt? If I push on your eyebrows here, does it hurt? If I push on your sinuses, does it hurt? Like there's a reason why doctors go through and they're like, well, we got to figure out where this is, where what's going on and where it's happening. You have, you will have somewhat of an ability from this point forward to say, here's where I believe that I'm struggling. Okay. And remember that every struggle is an opportunity. So like there's goalposts. So if we draw this on a piece of paper, it's going to look something like this. It's going to go pregame, quarter one, which is your introduction, quarter two, which is discovery. You're asking questions. Quarter three is presentation. Quarter four is closing and objections. And then at the end of the goalpost is end of game. So I have four different areas for you to take a look at. And let's start with quarter one, your introduction and rapport. I will tell you that for most salespeople, this is a place where they struggle, but not, <laughs> not for the reasons that you think. People will always tell me I'm good at rapport and people who are good at rapport, yes, true, but they're also not good at the transition to the sales process. So where most people struggle and the hugest opportunity is in the introduction phase is getting from rapport to going to business. And there is a point, and this this may be controversial in the world of sales. Ooh, controversy in the world of sales. There is a point where you build too much rapport. There is. Because in the back of your brain, you're like, I'm not going to ask this buyer to do business with me because they're not going to go fishing with me and they're not going to hang out with me and they're not going to go to Vegas with me, right? Because at some point, you go from rapport 
rapport professional to rapport friend mode. Friend mode. You go into friend mode. And when you're in friend mode, you get none. So quarter number two, discovery. Uh, The discovery process is all about asking the questions. Asking meaningful questions. So like sometimes, sometimes I see salespeople do this thing and the questions that they ask are leading questions, meaning the only reason that they're being asked is to be led to an answer and the outcome is the most expensive item that you can sell. <laughs> I've been through so much sales training that the the whole discovery process is meant to increase the average ticket. It's not meant to do the right thing for the buyer. It's not meant to figure out what their problem is. It's meant to have a universal outcome, which is a universal outcome for the, some people is sell the most expensive thing because that's the thing that's going to make the most amount of commission or sell the most expensive thing because that's going to make the company look the best to investors later on down the road. Okay. So the problem with most, or I'm going to say the opportunity, the opportunity that most salespeople have in the discovery process is that they go too short. They don't ask enough meaningful questions. And here's the other thing. They ask all the same questions that everybody else in the industry asks. So there are groups in just about every service, uh, um, affinity groups. I have worked a ton in heating and air, plumbing, roofing, and electrical. And there's all sorts of groups like roofing associations and heating and air associations where everybody comes up with best practices. And if enough of these companies come together, then the the processes become bastardized. And one person says, well, I see this guy doing this and that guy doing that. And by, by the end of the day, within a couple of years, everybody's saying and doing the same thing. And it really confuses buyers. So the problem is going too short, not looking for the answer. And in, inter- in any interview, the fortune is always in the follow-up. So like people in sales will say the fortune's in the follow-up. And, and, and like, I agree with that. But the fortune is also in the follow-up question. So when I say salespeople go too short, it's because they don't ask enough questions. They don't engage enough with the buyer. Quarter number three, opportunities. Presentation. If you look at the sales process and somebody says, hey, I want to talk to you about your widget or your gizmo. At the end of the day, they really don't care about you. And I don't mean this to be rude. I don't mean this to be abrasive. They care about them. They didn't call to hear about you. They didn't call to hear about everything that's cool about you. They came. They called and said, tell me everything cool about your company. And one of the biggest opportunities that I see in quarter number three of the presentation is not talking about yourself so much. I, 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 I get it. You are your favorite subject. I am my favorite subject. There is this app called Gong, G-O-N-G dot I-O. And it's meant for phone calls. And what it's really meant to do is to look at time of talking. And it gives you a percentage of how much time you talk versus how much time the person that you're, you're having a conversation with talks. And this is going to come down to the 80-20 rule. And where I see salespeople have the greatest opportunity is to not talk about themselves so much. <laughs> you're there for the buyer. You're there to slightly entertain them and you're there to ask for business. Um, you know, and, and some people only sell on their personality and not their technical skill. And that's fine. You'll close about 25 to 35% just closing on, on personality. And you may say, Hey, Scott, that's fine. I'm like, but you're going to run a hundred percent of sales leads. Why not gain the skills to close more percentage to make your time more valuable? So talking about yourself too much is one of the most common issues 
that I see. And it's the biggest opportunity for salespeople who struggle when they get into quarter number three. Quarter number four, closing. Uh, I see this a lot where salespeople are scared to ask for the deal because in quarter number one, where they built so much freaking rapport, now they have a buddy. And then they get buddy close. Oh, I don't have to really make a decision today, do I? Or I could get the special if I wait. Because what you have to understand is, as humans, for the most part, we look at everything as puzzles. And we're looking at the interactions that we have with people of like, okay, is this normal? Is this normal? And people will track down your pattern. They're going to listen to your vocal pitch and tone. They're going to hear what you say. And there's going to be a point where they look and they're like, okay, I have an opportunity here to take advantage of what's going on. And you're going to be like, oh my goodness, Scott, this sounds like so, so aggressive an opportunity and people are going to take advantage of me. Like this is part of the sales process. This is part of human nature. And I'm not saying it's everybody, but if you push on the greed button and people pick up on like, I can be greedy here, there's times where you can convert people to greed mode. And so the biggest opportunity in the closing process and the closing quarter is to ask for the sale. And, you know, there are people who freak out and say, you're not going to ask me for the sale today. I'm not doing anything today. Well, there's plenty of times where I've seen salespeople flip it and the people are ready to move forward. The buyer is ready to move forward and the salesperson, because they were, they were uh, preconditioned, like you're not going to ask me for the sale today. They don't ask for the sale. So the, there's a possibility for that salesperson to pick it up on a follow-up, but the chances are good that somebody else is going to come in and ask for the sale and not have that problem. And just like you have quarters, your buyers are going to have the same thing. So when you break up your calls into a process that you could take a look at, it makes it easier for you to diagnose where you're struggling. So you're going to go run a sales call today or tomorrow. You're going to meet with a buyer and break it up. Hey, quarter one introduction. I did really good in the introduction. I did just enough to keep the, the process interesting. I did good keeping the person engaged. And I got to quarter number two, which was discovery. And I asked a lot of questions. I asked a lot of meaningful questions. I asked impact questions, consequent questions. I went through and, and used a lot of uh, how and, and what questions and not necessarily a ton of why questions. Uh, presentation. Uh, I really struggled in the presentation. And I think that that's my biggest opportunity. Well, think about this. If you go to somebody and tell them where you're struggling at, it makes it that much easier for them to pinpoint what the opportunity for you is. And so by breaking your call up into quarters, whatever way that you do it in whatever industry, because you, I gave you a generic example. You don't have to use the one that I gave you. It would just make it easier. And if you have a sales team that you work with and you're working to pinpoint where they're struggling, break it up into the quarters for them and, and see what they have to say. And if you're training, you could take this process and just build an overlay and say, okay, um, if I'm going to build out a training schedule, my team struggles the most with presentations. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back, backwards one step and I'm going to work on discovery because if they have better discovery, then they can have better presentation. Or if my team is really struggling with discovery, I'm going to work with them on rapport. So uh, from a training aspect, you always, you always go negative one, meaning if somebody is having a problem in the introduction process, they're having a pregame, pregame opportunity. If somebody is struggling in the discovery process, it's usually an introduction issue. 
If somebody's struggling with a presentation, it's usually because they didn't do a good job of getting the discovery information they needed. And if somebody's struggling with closing, it's because they they had a problem with discovery and presentation. So it it allows for you to it's like it's like sales X-ray vision. When I work with salespeople and I go through this process with them, it makes it a whole lot easier for me to figure out, hey, here's how we can fix this. Here is what your opportunity is. And so I challenge you this week to sit down and and put your sales process into quarters to see what you can do. There is another benefit of breaking your call, your appointment, your presentation into quarters. So if we run through it and you've got your introduction quarter, your discovery quarter, your presentation quarter, and your closing quarter. Well, it's easier to digest and look at what you're doing if you give that a percentile. If you break up the first quarter of introduction and say, hey, look, I did really good on the introduction. I built just enough rapport. I did everything that I was supposed to. I did really good on the discovery section. But where I fell down was the presentation section. Well, by breaking the salesperson down into sections, you can you can focus on the area that you're struggling. By breaking the sales process down into quarters, you can look and say, look, you can look at what you're doing and, and tell yourself this, I'm not failing at everything. I'm struggling with some things. And this is the key. Because if you look at what you're doing as problems in the sales process, like I've got all these problems and everything's not working, then in your mind, they're problems. They're tough to fix. They're tough to overcome. And this is why I like to bring up that it's really an opportunity. It's really an opportunity for you to be better at what you do. So that if there is a period of time where you struggle, if there is something that becomes an opportunity it's easier to fix because there's times where we tell ourselves things that are not true. If you went through and broke your sales process, your sales call down, the last call that you ran, and you broke it down in quarters, what kind of grading system would you give yourself? Would you give yourself all A's? Would you give yourself some A's and some B's? Would you give yourself some C's and some D's? You know, it is possible for you to not do good in those quarters and still close the deal. It's possible for you to Feel like you got an A plus on everything and do everything perfect and still not close the deal. But you do have a framework of saying, here's how I can put some value to the time that I put out there in the world of sales. I can look at my sales call. I can break it down into quarters. I can pinpoint where my opportunities are. And I know that like not everything is bad. So uh, I got to be on a call with Tony Robbins and somebody said something where they said, Tony, I've tried everything. And he pops and and says, you've tried everything? And you could see the entrepreneur just kind of like sink in their seat. And I haven't tried everything. There becomes a universal thought of failure when you're struggling in sales. Like that nothing is going right. And when you take the time to map out your sales process into quarters, you can prove to yourself that it's not that everything has gone wrong. There's some things that are an opportunity. There are some things that'll really help you out. So go break up your process into quarters, map it out, take some time, see what you can do with it. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, 
recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.